welcome into episode 18 of Canucks Speakeasy Podcast. I'm one half of the hosting duties, Doug. And I'm the other half, Pete. Doug, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, some, uh, you know, it's been a pretty big news the last couple of days in the hockey world, especially today. Yeah, that uh, Taylor Hall trade kind of took over the airwaves pretty quickly there. It had, had us all clamoring, hit and refresh to see what sort of package the Coyotes had given up to get him. Well, it also looked like there was like multiple sources with multiple opinions on what the trade was or what uh, the Devils were getting back. Uh, yeah. To be to be quite frank, I'm uh, I actually and I I understand you know it potentially looks like he's just a rental, but uh, it doesn't seem like. Uh, the Devils got a lot back. So a whole lot of magic beans, which is kind of on the same sense of what they gave up for PK as well when they got him. So this kind of replaces the magic beans that they gave up with probably a better crop of magic beans than what they had traded away to Nashville. But at this moment, there's no guarantee that any of the thing that they've gotten will turn into an NHL game played. So at the moment, Arizona's won this trade. Yeah, and I'm a little bit shocked that uh, the Devils actually pulled this trade off now. You would think that mm-hmm. if they waited a little bit longer, they probably could have got a bit more from them. And I'm also shocked that Arizona was the team. I, I know you said that you had actually heard Arizona was one of the front runners, mm-hmm. but I'm actually kind of shocked Arizona was the one that actually swung for the fences and uh, got the deal done. Yeah, it's still it's still surprising that uh, Arizona actually got it done, especially after the the D-backs signed Baumgartner yesterday too. It's <laughs> uh, it's kind of a a big day in Phoenix sports. But it, it is a little surprising. But the Devils, I mean, they're, they're I think, 10th in the league right now. They're a playoff team, and I think we kind of keep forgetting that. But, uh, again, they didn't give up a roster player. They just got a whole lot better. Yeah, and i got to give credit to their GM, uh, Chaika. I mean, he's obviously trying to say to the players, hey, you know what, you deserve or, you know, this team deserves to have a chance to kind of make the playoffs this year. And uh, he's kind of, I wouldn't even say he's gone all in. I mean, Merkley's a name but i know a lot of people don't think merkley is that great of a prospect he's kind of more of a name nowadays than an actual you know uh blue chip prospect and they didn't give up a guy like barrett hayton you know who was probably one of their better prospects in their system at the moment and right now uh yeah coyotes adding taylor hall and you got phil kessel as well that's a good one-two punch yeah it's a pretty entertaining one the prospects going the other way merkley ball and schnarr that sounds like a 40s detective agency doesn't it <laughs> it does yeah ball and schnarr i mean it sounds like a beavis and butthead joke. <laughs> it does uh jersey also retains half of hall's salary in the deal yeah i'm a little surprised about that but uh again maybe there there must be something specifically that the devils wanted in that in that trade because it on paper, it doesn't seem like they got a lot. Plus, they're retaining half the salary. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a weird one to me. And as a Devils fan, if I was a Devils fan, I'd be a little bit upset. Well, maybe they they sense that the market could cool, and they panicked, and they just wanted to get it done now. So, it wasn't a distraction. Maybe drops them in the standings a bit more, as well. Gives them better lottery picks. I'm I'm not too sure. But anyways, we always seem to talk about the Devils on this podcast. Maybe we should start doing a Devils podcast. Um, Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Pete underscore Gas. And I'm at Doug Venn. That's V-E-N-N. And the podcast is at Canuck Speak. You can find out what's going on over there. We have a couple of good guests this week as well joining us. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, First up on the show is uh, Jenna Fabulous. Yeah, and we just get right into a whole bunch of Canucks stuff and a little bit of football stuff with her as well. And second guest, Craig Shereen, writer for Habs World, 
gives us a bit of an in-depth look at the Habs. We don't get to see them very often here, and there's a lot of BC and Vancouver connections with that team. Yeah, again, two great interviews uh, that we have coming up for you guys on the show. Uh, but uh, let's kind of go around the horn briefly here, Pete, and kind of discuss, get some uh, Canucks topics going here. I mean, we are a Canucks podcast after all. This is true. Um, let's start with uh, the injury bin, some comings and goings this week. We see Furlan and Demko go down, both with concussions, and we see Sutter and Mott break back into the lineup. Yeah, I mean, the Furland thing definitely seems a little concerning. I know you and I met up on the weekend, and we were discussing with one of our friends, and, I mean, there is some speculation out there that Furland could be done. I I, I don't think that. But uh, it, is a little, it is a little concerning that Furland, you know, he came back for that game. I think we actually played a game and a half and uh, started having symptoms again. And now I don't even know if the Canucks have officially said he's back in concussion protocol. Um, but yeah, it, it's very concerning. And then obviously Demko as well, getting hurt in practice. I believe Demko has had a concussion previously in his career as well. Yeah, he did. The Furland one, this sounds like it's more long-term. He's on long-term injured reserve now. Uh, we may see him again this year, uh, but really this is, this is anyone's guess right now with what's going on with him. Demko, un- unfortunate for sure, but we got to see a bit of Mikey DiPietro last night and I thought he played quite well. Yeah, if I'm perfectly honest, Pete, uh, I actually didn't watch the last half of the game, so I missed uh, Mikey getting in uh, some work there. That was about the only thing you missed. Yeah, well, by all accounts, though, uh, a lot of people said he uh, played really well last night. I know he gave up one goal, but he looked pretty sharp. Yeah, no, he did. He looked great. He made a couple of really good saves, and just for him, after what happened, the the emergency call-up game that he played last year i think this is really important for him to get a little bit more confidence he's been playing great down in utica so for me that was one of the highlights of the week actually was like only 10 minutes of action or so but it was nice to see him finally get in there yeah uh again i i honestly didn't know if we would actually see di pietro in any games with this call up and we still haven't really had any heard anything on how long demko is going to be out but Sounds like he equated himself quite well in the limited amount of ice time he got last night. And who knows, maybe he will get a start uh, in the next week or so if Demko's still out. Yeah, then going back with uh, seeing Sutter and Mott return, a couple of positives. Uh, I've always liked Tyler Mott, and he bumps uh, Tim Schaller out of the lineup. And that was Schaller's first game that he hasn't played this season. Who would have thought that 34 games in and Schaller is finally a scratch? Yeah, uh, again, he seems to, you know... Travis Green really seems to like Schaller this year compared to last year where I think Schaller was scratched more, more for more games than he actually played for the Canucks. Um, but I thought Mott looked good. Again, I didn't see the whole game. I did watch the first half of the game, but the game obviously turned pretty quickly, so I switched channels. Um, <laughs> but from what I saw from Mott, he did uh, seem to have quite a bit of energy, and he did kind of look good on the PK at times, even though the Canucks did give up a couple of power play goals. And I thought he was somewhat noticeable. Yeah, he, he was. And getting Sutter back as well is is a nice one to kind of roll in there. And the only thing with Furland going on LTIR, it does give the team a bit more cap flexibility right now. And hopefully if they can find a suitor for Sven Berchi, that would also give them a little more flexibility as well. Yeah, I mean, there was a report, I believe uh, Rick Dollywall had a report saying that uh, Berchi's uh, team has asked for a trade. So, mm-hmm. And I know he just cleared waivers today as well. Um, so I don't think he's going to be claimed by anybody or he wasn't claimed by anybody. Pardon me. I should, uh, correct myself on that, 
But yeah, it'll be interesting. You you would think a team looking for maybe a third line depth scoring uh, would be interested in signing Sven. Um, but this year, the the trade market really does seem to have dried up with the cap not going up as much as teams uh, had initially hoped it would. Yeah, it makes it hard. I think the Sven Berchi situation is is akin to Alex Biega and um, uh, what's his name, uh, Sam Gagne. Both of them kind of similar boats. The team wants to find them a better home, leave on good terms. And I, I think that's what it is with the Berchi camp as well. It'd be nice if he could find a home for everyone involved, I think. Yeah, uh, again, I mean, I, I've liked Berchi. I think a lot of people have been a little bit overcritical with him over the years. But, uh, you know, he had a couple of good years with Bo, and he, he has good chemistry, and I know he's pretty well liked with guys in the dressing room. He was at Bo's wedding this off season, But, yeah, I mean, it looks like his time in Vancouver is done, and uh, it's time for the Canucks to move on, which I'm fine with as well. I mean, he's not a game-breaker for this team by any means. Um but it's just sad, you know, the injuries and the concussions that kind of kept piling up for him over the last few years have uh, kind of diminished uh, his overall uh, capability to play uh, in the NHL. Yeah, six games this year at the Canucks, two assists. Uh, interesting kind of tie-in here with some other news today. Sven Berchi was acquired from the Calgary Flames, uh, I believe it was for a second-round pick. Uh, and then shortly around that time as well, the Canucks made another one-for-one trade with Calgary, sending Hunter Shinkarik over there for Marcus Granlin. And Shinkarik today, uh, it's just been announced, is uh, leaving the Checkers in the AHL and is going over to play in the KHL. Yeah, Shinkarik is one of those guys. He was relatively highly touted that draft year, and uh, he just really didn't amount to anything. I know at the time, and I didn't really like the trade at all, when uh, Benning pulled the trigger uh, one for one with uh, Marcus Granlin there. Uh, but, you know, we got three and a half, four years out of Granlund, and I don't even think Shin Carrick's played more than 40 games in his career in one season for any any NHL club. Yeah, I'm sure he hasn't. And he was actually ranked in North American skaters that year ahead of Bo Horvat. Yeah. Uh, and then for whatever reason, I don't know if he just didn't do enough off-ice training in his off-season regime or whatever it was, but uh, he just couldn't make the NHL. Yeah, it's, sometimes that's just the case with those high CHL scores. Should we get into our first of two interviews here, Doug? Yeah, uh, who do we got, got up first here, Pete? We got Jenna Fabulous. Let's do it. All right. All right, joining us on the air now is Jenna Fabulous. Uh, give her a follow on Twitter, at Jenna Fabulous. Uh, Jenna, thanks for joining Pete and I on the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for joining. There's lots to talk about today. Yeah, it was a busy day on in the hockey world. It didn't seem like much was going on, and then Twitter kind of blew up with all the news. That, that seems to be the case. And before we, we get into that, let's just kind of start at the beginning with your love of the Canucks, and how did that, how did that all happen? Uh, well, it's going to be probably a pretty common story with, with fans about my age group. Um, just grew up in a really sports-minded family, and 1994 happened, and, you know, watched every game. Um, nobody in my family's really a Canucks fan, that's the weird thing, um, and I just, they just came into my heart in that, that series, and, and going all to the final, and then I was destined to have my heart broken by them for the rest of my life, and <laughs> that's kind of where I, that's, 
kind of where I'm at, and I've loved them ever since and been a passionate supporter of them since '94. Uh, yeah, I think we so all need to where... start. I think we all need to start a therapy group for uh, how much the Canucks have disappointed us for over the years. <laughs> well, it was a real struggle for me, but I'm also a diehard Seahawks fan, so you know they finally won. So it gave me a little taste of what it's like, and you know I hope our boys can can bring it home at some point too. Is there an all-time favorite Canuck? Is there someone from the '94 team, or someone more recent? Oh my goodness. I really like the sort of underdog type players like the um you know the Derek Dorsets. I have I have loved Chris Tanov since his first shift. You will always hear me support him no matter what people tweet at me. I will always love Chris Tanov. Um I always liked Trevor Linden was kind of, you know, the big dog for me back in the day, but I love that Jovanovski. You know, he was my guy too. So, um, trying to think of the other guys, but I like those sort of fourth line, gritty, always giving one hundred and twenty percent on the ice every time they're on. Those are those are kind of my guys. That almost sounded like a hockey interview right there as well. Let's start off with uh, with Chris Tanev. <laughs> He's the only guy on the team right now that you mentioned in there. What what is it about Tanev, and where do you see him at the end of this year? Uh, Chris Tanev, for me, is he's just so smart. Like, if you watch him doing all of these little plays kind of off the puck, he's just kind of passing it to the right place. He has his head up. He's always making the smart play. Obviously, he's going to make mistakes like any normal human being, but he's always been, his hockey sense, you can just sort of see it like, you know how people say people have an aura? Well, for him, it's kind of like a, like a hockey sense aura. He's just so dang smart. Um, where he goes, I don't know. I, I genuinely, I mean, it would break my heart if he got traded, but at the end of the day, they, you got to do what's right for the team, right? Um I think it's possible that they move him at the at the trade deadline. I don't I don't know for sure though. He doesn't have a no movement clause or anything, does he? No, I don't believe so. But yeah, he is I UFA. Don't, I don't as, know. If you he know. Did. I, I think he does, but it's he, a limited uh, no movement clause. So they could still move him, but he'd give the team a list of uh, teams he won't go to. Yeah, I mean, I think he would be a hot commodity for a team in a playoff run. Um, you know, I don't know if they would dump him he's kind of one of their best guys back there um i you know what though it, he's good trade bait at the end of the day yeah he's definitely uh, been one of the more you know uh, solid warriors this team has and you know he he does get hurt quite often but he always seems to kind of you know bounce back relatively quickly and uh go you know you see the guy lose teeth in a game and comes back gets stitched up and yeah he's that ultimate warrior much like a guy like you mentioned ed jovanovsky or jovocop as we used to call him back in the day. <laughs> and yeah, I'm last time I looked at the stat, I'm pretty sure Chris Tanev um, had the number one shot blocking in the entire league. So you can't expect someone that throws his body in front of the puck that much to walk away unscathed every single time. Like it's it's going to happen. And, you know, it's one of those things where people say, oh, he's made of glass. Well, he's <laughs> 
taken a fuck in the face several times and returned the next shift. So um, I, I always get a little sensitive when people call them, you know, made of glass, but it is what it is. And uh, I would, yeah, I would be very upset if they traded him, but I would also understand the business side of it. Uh, staying on topic with the Canucks D and trying to stay a little positive before we kind of deep dive into maybe some of the negative. Uh, what are your thoughts on Quinn Hughes' rookie year? Oh, my goodness. Well, I was at his very first game. I was at the game where he got his first point and his first goal. Um, I bought his jersey on the last game of the season, so he's also one of my favorites. Um, he's pretty magical like he's got he he made Chris Tanev better I'll say that um when those two were paired at the beginning of the season um it's almost like I don't know if this sounds dumb but it sounds it felt like it gave maybe a little trust to Chris to move up and do a little bit more um offensive plays because he trusted that Quinn was back there and smart enough to get back and make the play so that it didn't expose them. That's what I saw in the first couple of games, um, is they played really well off of each other. Um, and, I mean, he's so special. He's just, you, you see him do these things on the ice and you're like, oh, man, I kind of want him to see him get a little bit bulkier and bigger so that he doesn't get hurt. Um, you know, kind of like um, Elias put on, what, maybe 10, 12 pounds over the summer, um, something like that, see him get a little stronger, and, I mean, his playmaking ability, sometimes I'm just sitting there, and i am got my mouth open going, oh, geez, I can't wait to watch this guy, you know, even five years from now, and what he's going to do. What do you guys think? Are you happy with him? Yeah. I, I mean, happy. <laughs> I think happy is an understatement. I, I totally agree with you, and I actually had said to Pete off air, um, about how I thought Hughes is almost, like you said, opened up Tanev's offensive ability. Like, there was almost this untapped potential Tanev had offensively. I know he's he's still your kind of defensive defenseman first, but early in the October there, there was a couple of plays where Tanev jumped up on the play, you know, joined the rush, and had a, scored a goal at least. I believe he actually might even have two goals on the air. And I, I totally agree. I equate that totally to Quinn Hughes, and... I don't think Canucks fans have ever seen a defenseman do quite what Quinn Hughes can do. No, it's almost like he's a forward that knows to get back. Kind of like a midfielder in soccer, you know? He's kind of playing a lot of the game in forward mode, but then also is really responsible in his own end. Um, And he's only going to get better, you know? He's just... I don't even have the words to articulate how he makes me feel, but I just love him. That's all I'll say. <laughs> he, he is a generational elite talent. He's The only thing I will say with Hughes right now, he's slowed down a little bit the last couple of games, but I feel like the whole team has. He's been minus six over the last four games, and there have been a couple of defensive errors, but these things happen. We don't chastise him as much as we do the other players on the team. And the one thing I would like to say with him is I'd like to see him shoot more. He's only got two goals on the year. And that, that's something where I, I feel like we, we kind of need that booming shot from the point. we got a lot of guys looking pass out there, and I want to see him tie it up. Oh, well, I think the entire team is passing a little too much. But, you know, you'll hear me yelling at my TV during the power plays. You know, I've, I think I've tweeted a few times that it's not called the, uh, what is it, pass-pass. <laughs> it's called the power play. 
because that's all they're doing. And he's, he, yeah, just shoot. You, you don't know what's going to, you know, obviously if someone's right in front of you, don't do it. But, um, yeah, and, and you're right. They are looking a little slow right now. It's, uh, I was saying to my coworker today, it almost looks like they all have mono. You know, they've just got this lack of pep in their step. But also they've played, what is it, three games in the last four four days? Yeah, it's been a pretty, pretty rough yeah. schedule for them. It's awful because they, they have these spurts and, and professional athletes thrive on, on schedules and consistency and, 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 you know, all of that stuff. And they're doing all these big gaps between games and then clusters of games. And I, I think it's that's part of it is, is the crappy schedule. But, yeah, he's just – I mean, it's hard to say that he doesn't look like he has a lot of energy when everyone around him doesn't have energy. But, um, yeah, they're all looking like they're playing on their heels the last couple of games. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think everyone will agree. It's been a bit of a tough week here, just where a bit of molasses and just a bit of injuries and nothing's quite been going right. Sticking with the blue line, I wanted to talk to you a bit about Troy Stetcher because uh, I know that we've talked about Stetcher in the past and we have some fairly similar views on him. Do you feel that Troy Stetcher is being underutilized on this team right now? I do. I think um, I think he does need more minutes. I think he's a pretty smart player. I don't think we've fully seen what he's capable of. Um and a lot of times when I say how much I like Stetcher, I get a lot of pushback from people, and it stems from us just actually not seeing him play enough, one, and two, you don't notice him, and that's a good thing. <laughs> if, if he's not angering me or pissing me off, then that's probably a good thing when it comes to a D-man, and uh, it's he's just not being utilized. And what I would prefer to see... Um, is, and I will probably get some tweets about this, sorry guys, um, is Edler is playing too much, obviously not right now because he's injured, but I feel like Edler has way too many minutes, and a way to offset that is to either pull him off the power play, I think he was on PP2 when he got injured, and put Stetcher on, um, because long term I think that would benefit Edler's health. Um, and Stetcher's not going to be a bad player on the on PP2. He's, you know, it's going to be probably pretty status quo. I don't know if he's going to make it better. Um, I think it's just he, he. They need to offset those minutes there because Edler's just not going to be a, of benefit to us if he continues to get injured deeper into the season. And one of the ways to prevent that is by limiting his ice time and it's not because he was playing poorly on the on the power play it's strictly a, a minute management if that makes sense no i totally agree with you jenna and i've actually uh, posed this question to a few people as well that in order to cut edler's minutes back we have to decide is he more valuable on the power play or more valuable on the pk and it sounds like you think he's more valuable on the pk and i would tend to agree with you I on do. that yeah, I think he's. Um, I just think he's a bigger body out there on the on the PK, um, and I think um, I think Stetcher's probably if we give him a chance. And I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? We give him we give him some time to try it, and it doesn't work out, and we switch to something else. I mean, ultimately, he's a 
Stetcher's a responsible defenseman. He probably has um, a, a, a few talents we haven't seen yet, um, and maybe he'll be a little sniper for us. <laughs> Who knows? But it can't hurt to try, right? And But it could hurt Edler to continue to have a lot of minutes. Yeah, I, I, I look at his numbers. They definitely back that up. Edler still averages the highest ice time on the team at 23.38, which still seems ridiculous to me with the way that it's spread out with the D is you look at, uh, where is he here? You got Fantenberg at around 16 minutes and you got Stetcher at around 14.44. So Stetcher is still, out of all the defensemen they've used, he's getting the least amount of ice time. And you get into his special teams, he's averaging five seconds a game on power play and 45 seconds a game on the penalty kill. And again, you compare that to Alex Edler, who's 2.22 a game on the power play and 3.08 on Mm -hmm. the penalty kill. So you're looking at five and a half minutes there to about one minute that you could be managing roughly, even if you cut Hughes, or sorry, you cut Edler in in half there, you take out two and a half minutes or so as power play time and give that to to Stetcher, that would just even things out way better. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. We might be in the minority there, though. I've had a lot of people poking fun at me for that opinion, but I stand behind it. I gotta say, I like Edler on the power play. I really do. I think he controls it. But if it comes down to using him on one special team right now, I I think with who is on the team, I think it makes sense to put Edler on the PK only and give Stetcher a shot. And you know another guy who I thought looked looked really good on the point is Oscar Fantenberg. And the last couple Mm -hmm. games, I think he's been arguably our best defenseman out there. He has been great, and I'll tell you, in the preseason, I was about three feet from where he was in that hit when his soul left his body, and I was not <laughs> sure he was going to be joining us this season, because um, it was in Abbotsford, and the boards actually rebounded back and hit the goal light. That's how hard that guy got hit, and I mean, I've seen a lot of big hockey hits, and I just thought his soul just went up over the boards and that we were never going to see him again. So I'm absolutely thrilled that he's back and that he's playing for us and that he's doing so well. Yeah, he's definitely been a bright spot. And I think, you know, Benning, rightfully so, has taken a lot of criticism for some of his free agent signings. But Fattenberg, so far, and it's a small sample size, looks like a steal of a signing. I agree. Yeah, he's a good, solid, regular, I mean, unless you're looking for him or caring about those little details, you're not really noticing him. And like I said, that's something that you kind of want in a T-man. You don't want him to anger you. um, And he's kind of that solid guy. Yeah, I've been happy with him. That's kind of, you know, I'm obviously I'm really upset that, that Edler's injured um but that's been kind of good for us to see um what he can do for us yeah fun fact about oscar fantenberg he currently leads the team in plus minus now it's only it's only a plus four and he's only played seven games but even last night he was the only canucks d who was a plus in that game against vegas so just again just a couple little things i'm not a huge plus minus guy but that's just kind of something that jumped out Mm -hmm. uh, off the pages with me i wanted to talk to you about one of the more polarizing players uh, in Vancouver, and he uh, he's had his good games and his bad games, and I know you, you've got some thoughts on this guy's Tyler Myers. So let, let's open that bottle of, of, of Tyler Myers here, and, and let, let's, okay. hear, let's hear the good, the bad, and the ugly with, with him. 
Okay, I'll I'll start off by saying this. I absolutely admit fully that he is an upgrade from what we had. So I'm going to start that and and say that before I get into my thoughts and opinions on him. Um, he he frustrates me because there are so many little things that he could do that he doesn't do. And he it, it's tiny little things like um, last night we all saw that horrific play where he was, you know, drinking a Slurpee on the way back to his back check. Um, <laughs> there was a little part there where um, I don't know if a lot of people saw it. So he was on the boards in the back corner and he's fighting for it. And then he strolled back reading a book. He could have stuck his stick out and broke up that pass because the stick's like 20 feet long. He could have easily broken, but he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't look at what's going on around him. Um, I want to say it was, hmm, it, it wasn't the game before that. I, I think it was in the middle of the week. He was playing on the boards in the first period and um, he was fighting for the puck and he won. And the first thing he did was pass it to a guy on the opposing team three feet away instead of taking a, a one second to look up and see where he's sending the puck, and he passed it right into the guy's stick. And it's those little tiny details um, that he doesn't, that just irk me. So that's why I don't like him. It's not that he's a bad player it's like i'm i feel like a coach where i can see the potential and i can see that he could just do these tiny little things and details better and that would make him a player that i don't talk about behind his back <laughs> yeah i mean I, I tend to agree with you uh the one thing I'm kind of shocked at that i thought myers would definitely be doing for the canucks is uh be a little bit more uh, prolific on the scoring side of things. You know, he hasn't really been putting up the points that I think a lot of Canucks fans thought he would be at least this point in the year. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what it is. Almost, he, he reminds me a little bit of Jake Vertanen, where, you know, they don't seem to think the game as clearly as a lot of the other players around them. I think of Petey, I think of Quinn mm. Hughes, JT Miller's another guy who seems to really think the game well. And yeah, I don't know what it is with Myers. I mean, obviously, you know he's going to make defensive gaffes from time to time, but it's the little things. Like you said, he, he he's not always passing the eye test. And when there are blatant things he could do, small things he could do to break up, you know, uh, break up a offensive rush or to cut a guy off properly yeah. or to keep his head up before he has the puck. He's fishing the puck out of his skates and he's just firing it to the first body he sees, which more often than not is someone on the opposite team. Exactly. It's those little hockey sense things that drive me crazy. And I know I texted Pete saying um, during the Ottawa game, um, there was a, a situation It was right near our blue line and it was an open puck, and the uh, the other player and him were of almost equal distance to it. However, Tyler's a foot taller than the guy, and stick is infinitely longer. All he had to do was reach out with a stick and just knock it out of the way. But he instantly went into, oh, I'm a defender, and I have to start skating backwards. Didn't make any attempt 
to get that puck and created a scoring chance and the Ottawa player got a, a shot off. And I'm like, you could have broken that up in the neutral zone if you had just went, oh, and stuck your stick out. But it's, so when I see those little things and I see them all the time, that's why I don't like him. Um, but I recognize that he has so much potential. We just need to have a little chat. <laughs> Maybe take him for a beer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's well said. I think, uh, as you said as well, Myers is an improvement on what we had last year on the blue line. No matter how you slice it, Tyler Myers is an improvement. Uh, he hasn't done a lot that's really kind of wowed us, I guess, which with his price tag kind of kind of hurts his value on the team and makes uh, us a little more critical as well, I think, than some of the other players. But I, I do agree with everything you said. I wanted to switch off the blue line, though, here, and we don't have a lot of time left, but I wanted to touch on a guy with definite ties to the Valley, and we've already mentioned him earlier. He's got goals in back-to-back games, including a... He seems to have found a shot a bit lately. Is Jake Furtanen. What, what does Jake Furtanen have to do to get to that level that we all want him to be, which is at least a 20-goal pace? Um, I would say, and this might be a little controversial, um, I think Jake Furtanen needs to pull the plug on spending his summers in Abbotsford and around Vancouver. I want him to go out to Ontario. I want to go him to like or go to who's a Gary Gary Roberts or whatever his name is. Yeah, that Gary does Roberts. All of that. Yeah, that does all the the training with the players. I want him to completely remove himself from all of his family and social life that are here and go there for just one year just to see if it helps i don't think that's Um, controversial at all jenna i i wholeheartedly agree with you oh okay well i thought i was kind of being mean by saying that but um you need to get away from all of your friends that aren't a professional athlete um that are hanging out in the you know abbotsford's got you know some lakes that are fun to hang out with you know all of that stuff i think you need to remove yourself from the environment put yourself in an environment where you've got people that you know like a even a bull horvat who are training all summer taking it seriously um putting the work in for your physical health i think it's also going to be better for his mental health do that with people that are doing it right and then come back. I think that's the only little piece that's missing. I mean, I I think I saw a tweet and absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't he one of our best um, point producers on at five on five? Yeah. He's tied for the team lead in five on five goals with PD. So, I mean, he's doing a lot of things better and he's doing a lot of things right. Um, and he's close. He's close to being... We all really put a lot of pressure on him to be something that he might never be, too. Well, he's And he probably hears a lot about it. He's right now on pace for a 41-point season, 21 goals. Would that be a success? As Canucks fans, could we say, hey, that's a step in the right direction? Are Canuck fans ever really satisfied, though? Well, that's a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> I think 
that if he um, could do that, he's never topped 30 points. He's never gotten higher than 15 goals. If he was to put up a 21-goal, 41-point season, which is what he's currently pacing for, that's that's a definite improvement. Oh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with him. I think he's doing exactly what I expected of him, aside from... Um, yeah, I'd li- I, I wonder what his fitness and, and whatnot is going to be like sort of later in the season and, of course, at the beginning of the season. Um, I think we're really hard on him, though. Um, you know, he faces a lot of criticism in the media and he has a, a lot of high expectations, whether that's because he's a local boy or we just, yeah, we had such high hopes for him. I don't think he's bad. I think he's doing exactly what we need him to do right now. Yeah, I think I one... would like him to see him do some hits, though, a little, little bit more hitting. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see him be more physical. And you bring up a good point, and I have definitely been pretty critical of Jake over the years, but, you know, it's not it's not his fault that the Canucks took him 7th overall or 6th overall that year, right? So I think that pressure has also been applied to Jake over the years, that, you know, he's this high 6th or 7th round pick. I forget where he went. Yeah, it, well, he was uh, overall. Even. Overall, yes, yes. And so he's kind of attached to that value when if Jake was a second or third round pick, we would think we're getting great value out of this kid. Yeah, and he's he's also currently tied for the team lead in hits, which uh, we may not realize that, but it's him and Edler at 54. So I guess that means the Canucks need well, to hit I don't more. Think we're, yeah, yeah and we're not throwing a lot of hits either. So, I mean, I don't know if that, um, you know, if, if that's why we're kind of, oh, we want him to do more hits. Well... I think there's times, though, that I wish that he would step in and and throw some bigger hits just because we, you know, we didn't have anyone sort of protecting some of our smaller guys at the time. Um, Because, I mean, is he really kind of our tough guy, right? Uh, Not, I mean, this was when Rafael was was injured in Fairland, but um, was he kind of our go-to quote-unquote tough guy at the time maybe I'm thinking that I don't know yeah I mean I I mean now that Russell's back he definitely seems to be the default kind of agitator tough guy but before he was playing yeah I don't know if the Canucks really had that guy Jake is kind of considered to be that guy but I don't know if he really is um but yeah switching gears here Jenna uh wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh you mentioned it earlier that you're a Seahawks fan, and uh, I believe I've seen some tweets uh, from you uh, that you play fantasy football. And uh, I know Pete and I right now are looking like we're going to be in the final of our league against one another. Uh, yeah, uh, just about your NFL fandom. I Yeah, I am an NFL fan. I am a diehard NCAA football fan. Um, so I know uh, a lot more about college ball, but I do play fantasy, and and this year I was a bit of a jerk. Um, <laughs> I got bored of winning my leagues all the time, so I auto-drafted. <laughs> I, I, I auto-drafted my team this year. Um, I joined a different league. Um because I wanted the challenge of managing players that I didn't choose. And how did how did those results uh, work out for you? Are you uh, currently in the playoffs? <laughs> um, I'll I'll say this: my team is actually very good. Um, however, 
every single week my opponent has a lights out week so um i have i think the last time i checked the third highest points for and the highest points against so um yeah it's pretty rotten luck um but i think i'm on a four or five game or week winning streak right now after i toppled mr 11 and O. um I, I seem to be doing well, but it's a little too late because we're in the playoffs and I absolutely didn't make it. I think I'll finish six, but it was, you know, it was fun. It was fun to go. I have no idea who these players are. Let's see what I can do with them. <laughs> she, she slayed the dragon, the 11 and 0 dragon. Our last, our last question <laughs> for you before we got to let you go. Uh, tell us a little bit about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, my, my sooner. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, well, you're, you guys are in for a treat if you're football players or fans. So, um, Kyler Murray, if you are, um, I don't, are you guys Seahawks fans or do you I, follow I am, him? Doug's not. Oh, well, that Doug guy. I'm a Patriots um, fan. Kyle, <laughs> yes, Kyler Murray is, um, he's so extraordinarily athletic. And he is one of the first, I think, actually, he might even be the first player that was drafted in the first round in two different sports. He had a contract signed with the Oakland Athletics. He was quitting football when they were done. Um, he was going off to live his life in, a, in baseball and changed his mind in the last game and went first um, in the draft. He is very dynamic. He's fast. He's so, so good in the pocket. He's very similar to Russell. Um, he's got, you know, about the same body type, so he's a little bit smaller than a regular quarterback. Um, and I don't know the Cardinals that well, but I'm, I've been told that they have an atrocious um, O-line. Um, so he's probably not getting a lot of blocking that he needs, which, you know, is very similar to Russell's first few years. Um, this kid is special, though. He is – just watch him. Um I think Jalen Hurts, who is the Sooners quarterback this year, put up a little bit better numbers than Kyler Murray um, and Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray both won the Heisman for the Sooners the last two years. Um, those three guys are all kind of very similar quarterbacks, um, but Kyler Murray's my favorite. He's just a nice guy. Well, you know? us, Seahawks, um, us Seahawks fans are going to get a close-up look at him this next week we got the cardinal seahawks should be uh, well it is close to a must win for the seahawks to keep control over the division but we should get a close look at him up then uh jenna we gotta let you go thanks okay. for joining us Sounds good we really appreciate thanks for it for having me guys yeah anytime yeah man. no problem all right i'm it, sure i'll talk to you guys on twitter soon oh i'm sure you will and folks out there you can follow her on twitter at Jenna Fabulous. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, and say, yeah, say, uh, come for the hockey, stay for the baking tips. I was going to say, if you need good baking tips for your <laughs> Christmas dinner, follow Jenna Fabulous. She's got some amazing tips for you. <laughs> okay, have a good night, guys. You too. Thank you. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thanks to Jenna for joining us there. We're now going to get into our second guest, Craig Shireen. We're going to talk a bit of a preview of the Canucks-Habs game coming up tomorrow. I guess if we had sponsors, Doug, this would probably be where we would put them, right? Yeah, I mean, it would make the most sense.
tomorrow night. It's the Canucks and the Habs. And that brings us to a special preview of the game tomorrow. We have joining us on the line, Craig Shireen, contributing writer for HabsWorld.net. You can find him on Twitter at Craig Shireen. Craig, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, buddy. How are you, man? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, whenever the Habs come to town, it's... It's another big deal in the city, not quite like when the Leafs come to town and we all just hate on them. There's a bit more of a respect for the Habs, I think, just with all the local boys that kind of play for the team. Um, and we're going to get into some of those guys, but first of all, just kind of wanted to get your impressions on a bit of a roller coaster start to the season for the Habs so far. Yeah, it actually reminds me a lot of um, of last season, actually. Uh, just the idea that they are um, they're a great shot generation team, um, and uh, unlike unlike past Habs teams, they're much more uh, offensively bent, so they're giving up a lot more goals than they should be, uh, given the uh, the goaltending and the typical defensive structure. But we're seeing a lot of it's a good shot generation, and they're doing well in terms of the goal scoring department as well. But um, again, up and down that eight game losing streak uh, certainly hurt. That's for sure. But uh, much like last year, and they would go uh, hot and cold and then fighting for a playoff spot. So I think we're looking at much the same sort of thing this year. Yeah, I mean, they're tied for eighth in the conference, even with that losing streak. And they're only three points back of Buffalo for second in the division. So they seem to have kind of bounced back, and the playoffs do seem definitely within their reach again, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. They um, they definitely tightened up the structure a bit. They were looking for tons of goals and lots of odd-man rushes consistently, it seemed, during that time. Uh, they're still generating lots of shots on net and scoring goals at a recent, decent, reasonable rate, but um, the the chances of the games were really out of control. So they seem to have kind of tightened that up a bit and have bounced back pretty strong the past, uh, past at least few games or so. Uh, I wanted to touch on another BC boy that plays for the Habs, uh, Craig. And again, yeah, like Pete said, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, well, thanks for having me, Doug. Of course, man. And uh, yeah, that's uh, Carey Price. I know Price really hasn't looked like the Carey Price that we've all known in the past. Um, but yeah, just looking up his contract on Cap Friendly, it looks like he still has, after this year, six more years at $10.5 million of a cap hit. That is correct. Uh, yeah, you know, what is the general consensus of Price and his play uh, from Hab fans at the moment? Uh, I mean, I think Hab fans are, are, are quick to get uh, get negative in general. Um, I think Price, he hasn't been playing well, that's for sure. He went through a, a spell like this in the first half of last year as well. Um, he's been a notorious slow starter throughout his career, it seems. Um, past few games, again, he's much like the team. He's playing uh, better. I think the structure is helping him a lot. Uh, just seeing the puck and in terms of control and rebounds and that sort of thing. Um, the, the contract is daunting, that's for sure. Especially at, at 30, age 32 already. I'm also looking at cap friendly right now, so the guys are awesome, so that's always helpful. Um, but I think that Habs fans are maybe not worried just yet, but are starting to think a little bit about uh, what's going to happen with that contract maybe in you know four or five years. I know as a Canucks fan, the Luongo contract is another like albatross that's still hanging yeah. over the team today. So I can totally understand where you're coming from. For sure. Yeah. I think the price does bring a bit of um, the intangibles as well. I think we'll probably talk about Weber in a little bit, but the kind of like the leadership piece as well as um, with a young guy like Caden Primo in the system now. The ability for him to be able to learn from someone like Price. I know you don't want to pay $10 million for a mentor, but that being said, he uh, he still has the pedigree to be among the best in the world. And when he is on, he definitely is still among the, that kind of group. So uh, I'm not panicking just yet. And I think the uh, having him in net, if he gets hot, there's no one better. So we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, you mentioned Price's slow starts. Last November and this November, his save percentage was sub 890, and then he bounced back right. both times in December with a 920 plus save percentage. It seems to be this trajectory that he does go on and then gets yep. it hotter as the year goes on. And I guess certainly you mentioned with the, the backup goalies for the Habs, they haven't clearly settled on a clear number two guy back there, have they? No, they haven't. I think um, right now they're planning to go with Lindgren for the time being. Uh, they love seeing Primo up for a couple games, but I think they want to make sure he gets consistent playing time because he's just a kid. He's only, what, 19, I think. Um, and they brought Lindgren up. He's a bit older. He's 25. Um, and Kincaid just hasn't worked out as of yet, so I think the plan is to kind of have a pontoon down in Laval and have Lindgren, uh, Kincaid sorry, and uh, Primo play lots and then use Lindgren as the backup for the time being. And you mentioned Shea Weber earlier. That's definitely where I want to go next with this. Now, Shea Weber, he's having a monster year for the Habs. I believe he's second on the team in points right now. He leads the team in average on time on ice, uh, offensive scoring points, defensive scoring points, blocks, plus minus. He's he's kind of right across the board. How good has Shea Weber been this year? Uh, he's been an absolute beast. He's easily been the best player on the team, I think. Um, and really, it's kind of what we... We're hoping for when the whole notorious Subban trade went down, um, but he hasn't really been healthy. You know, he, he was a, a picture of health until he got traded to Montreal, and all of a sudden he picked up a couple injuries. And last year he was really battling it, but he had a full off season this year to get ready to go, and it's really, really showing. He's uh, clearly the, the captain and leader of the team, and he's just an animal. He's a uh, on track for like 26 goals, 27 goals this year, really right where it's above his career highs, and uh, it's been absolutely great. In the easily the best player for sure. I mean, I know it's a little bit early, but uh, I'm calling it now. I mean, he and obviously John Carlson would probably have something to say with it. But, you know, yeah, maybe this is the year that Shea Weber finally gets that elusive Norris Trophy win under his belt. I think if he keeps it up, he's got to be in the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then you also brought up uh, PK. And obviously, at the time, a lot of people were really criticizing that trade. Just the contract that Weber's on, the what is it, a three-year age gap between the players, or maybe it's a four-year age gap. But, I mean, if we're looking at what PK's doing in New Jersey at the moment, yikes, uh, it looks like a home run for Bergevin, who a lot of Habs fans were calling for his head two, year, two three years ago. Absolutely. And then, really, and then when you look at the Weber contract now, it's only, only $7.8 million a year. It's really not that outrageous. That's the thing. At the time being, it seemed like a big albatross, but he's, uh, he seems to turn back the clock this year as well. So I think that he's looking... Like, he's playing some of his best hockey ever, and uh, Montreal surely can use it, that's for sure. You've got a, a couple of other BC boys, and I know Brendan Gallagher isn't a BC boy, but folks in Vancouver are all very familiar with his exploits with the Vancouver Giants. Gallagher currently leads the, he leads the Habs in goals right now, and has been a big part of that kind of top-line unit rolling out with Tatar and Deneau. How good has that unit been for you guys? Uh, absolutely dominant, you know, among the best 5-on-5 five five, uh, lines in the league. Um, tend to generate uh, among the best shot shares all year long. Did last year, too. Um, Gallagher is a, just a, a monster out there as well, just like uh, Weber. If Weber wasn't here, I think he's a, a shoe-in for, for the captaincy, you know. Um, but been great uh, to know as well. It's totally one of those guys, underrated. Uh, should be a selfie candidate in my mind. But that's uh, maybe a bit of my half-stand bias coming through there. But um, <laughs> the whole group. You know, they, every time they step on the ice, they tend to tilt it in the opposite direction. Um, so Gallagher's monster, one of the best contracts around as well. Have, have they been using that line together on the power play? 
No, they break it up quite a bit. Um, they mix in all sorts of people on the power play. Uh, Joel Armia gets time up there, um, trying to get Domi on that, that first unit as well. So they break it up quite a bit. Put Weber out there with four forwards. I wanted to touch a bit as well on a couple of things going on in the system for the Habs, not on the ice, but two things that directly affect Vancouver fans here. And one is the coach in Laval, Alex Burroughs. We, uh, we had a bit of a ceremony for him this year, uh, this past week. Uh, Doug and I were at the game. How has Burroughs affected the Laval team? You know, I honestly, I'm not the, the expert on the, the Laval team. Um, one thing I have noticed the past couple of years since Burrow was brought on, actually, though, this whole um, development system has been revamped. Um, uh, starting up with uh, removing uh, Sylvain Lefebvre from the coaching duties, and then they brought in, um, why is his name escaping, right? Joel Bouchard to, uh, to coach the team, and he brought in Burroughs. And uh, just the, it's gone from being a place where kind of uh, prospects go to die, in a sense, to somewhere where we're seeing some real positive development. And I'm sure Burroughs is contributing to that as well. And he's, uh, you know, having a guy like Burroughs who started out, you know, in roller hockey and worked his ass off to get up to the, uh, up to the NHL can only be a positive thing as a role model, you know? Uh, another prospect uh, Pete and I wanted to touch on who could have been a Vancouver Canuck, obviously the Canucks went in a different direction, is uh, Cole Caulfield. And just the season he's having for the NCAA, Wisconsin Badgers, I believe he plays for? He does. Yep. Yeah, he's currently yeah, got, uh, exactly. I think he leads the team in goals here. He's got 12 goals, I believe, on the year. He's tied for sixth in NCAA scoring, I think, at the moment. Uh, how has he looked? Uh, fantastic from what I gather. He's, uh, he, he been a bit of a, had a bit of a gap there. We didn't score a lot of goals. He had about, I think he had eight goals in eight games to start the year. He had, was, was, uh, had a little bit of the, uh, bad luck hitting lots of posts and stuff like that, but he's turned it up again in the past, uh, couple weeks. And yeah, it looks like 12 goals in 18 games so far, 20 points. Leading the team in scoring both goals and points. Um, yeah, he's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's a huge, uh, boon for the Canadian system. This term, much of it's a great prospect pool, but, we didn't have anyone that's a pure goal-scoring kind of talent like that, so really exciting, for sure. I know it's probably a little too early to tell, Craig, but uh, is the sense that uh, Caulfield will probably turn pro at the end of this year, or do you think there's a chance he could go back and play another year of NCAA hockey? Um, I think I, we could see him turning pro, honestly. I, I think it all, obviously it depends a little bit. If Montreal could use the help, if they're in the kind of the hunt for the playoffs, I, I would suspect they'd be interested in bringing them up. I know Wisconsin is uh, not really looking like they're going to be going deep into the NCAA playoffs or anything like that, anything like that. so he could be available uh, come March. Um, I would love to see it, and they would definitely fill a hole in the uh, in the goal scoring department. Although Montreal scores at a pretty good rate, but having a game breaker like that join the team late in the season could be huge. Yeah, that uh, Wisconsin team is really interesting. Cole's got his brother playing on his the team. There's another set of brothers also playing on the team. But what also really intrigues me is he's getting a chance to play with Alex Turcott, who, of course, was yeah. a lot of people had him as a top three pick going this year. He ended, he ended up falling to the Kings. And the coach on that team is also Tony Granato, who played uh, with... Uh, wait, was he uh, Alex Turcott related to Darren Turcott? I don't think so. Well, never mind. We can edit that bit out there. But Granato did play for the L.A. Kings. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, let me, uh, I'll restart. The, um, well, the I'll... USA released their preliminary, like, line for the, uh, U-20 team today. It was Caulfield, Caulfield was playing Turkot and Arthur Kaliev, so that could be pretty exciting to watch. That's, uh, that's an interesting, is Cal where's Kaliev? Um, he's playing in the, uh, O, I think. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting team. they got four NHL players, uh, NHL draftees on that team, but the big ones are definitely 
uh, Turcotte and Caulfield over there. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, and then, yeah, finally, Craig, uh, we're just going to ask you about uh, how's Kakanayami looked in his uh, sophomore season uh, for the Habs. I know he's been injured uh, a bit this year, but uh, when he's yeah. getting game action, how's he looking? You know, he's had a bit of a tough, a tough year, actually. He has, um, I mean, last year he was uh, definitely like a bit of a possession darling and that sort of thing. All the analytics guys loved him, and he played really strong year to start. Um, but, yeah, I think the injuries have really slowed him down a little bit this year, and he's got a bit of the sophomore jinx going on. Um, he put on, I think, a, a good chunk of weight in the offseason. He looks like he bulked up, so I wonder if he's just kind of adjusting to that, you know, as he's, he's only 19. So I think it's just a matter of maybe uh, one step back and for two steps forward in the long run, you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think uh, I was actually quite surprised that he even made the team last year as an 18-year-old. Yeah. That, that says a lot about him. So, yeah, I mean, if he's struggling a little bit this year, I mean, you got to figure, you know, that's probably expected. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys got a gem in Kokiniemi. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it for sure. Getting him uh, last year and then, or two years ago, and then Caulfield in the last draft has uh, really given the uh, some excitement for the young forwards coming through the system. There's a couple other guys too, like Jesse Yelonen playing in Finland right now, and uh, some great forward prospects coming up. But you know, Kokaniemi, he plays a already plays a mature game, a responsible two-way game and stuff. So I think we're in a couple of years we're gonna be pretty excited. That's for sure. Right on, Craig. Well, you sound like a very positive Habs fan over there. I know there's a lot more we could you keep talking. <laughs> there's a lot more we could keep talking to you about, uh, but we really wanted to touch on some of the connections to BC and the Canucks, and just kind of get a sense going in. We don't get to see the Habs very often. They seem like a new look team almost every year we see them. So thanks for joining us and shedding some Thank light on what's going again. on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, anytime, it was, it was fun. Right on, Craig. Thanks. Thanks, man. Very much. All right, it's uh, time for the free pour open floor segment. Uh, this week, Pete, we're uh, we're actually drinking some whiskey. What are we drinking? It's been a while, and it's the holidays, and you know, uh, it just kind of just kind of felt like a right time on a rainy day. I've already done my exercise for the day, so I can justify this. We got a Highland Park Magnus single malt Scotch whiskey. Never tried this before, uh, but it looks uh, pretty nice. Yeah, I've never tried it myself, but uh, I'm definitely interested uh, to. Dive into it. It's mention of Vikings on here, so anyways. Ah, uh, that's just marketing. Yeah, well, that's that's true. I'll I'll give us a little wee dram here. Alright, well uh well Pete uh, pours us a dram, I'll jump into my topic for the week. And again, I sound like a broken record, and I'm sorry for all those uh football haters out there, but uh I gotta talk NFL fantasy football. Uh, Here you go, first of all. all right. says, cheers this, because this, this could be a fun one. Cheers, Pete. Cheers. Ooh, a little bit smoky. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to talk about fantasy football and the league that Pete and I are in together. It pretty much looks like him and I are going to be playing each other in the final, uh, which is pretty epic. Uh, the, this is the seventh year of the league, and the first time Pete and I have met each other in the final. And looking forward to it. Unfortunately, Pete, you're going to be on the island next week, so we won't be able to watch the games together. But we can definitely talk trash to one another uh, via Twitter. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't wish you good luck at all. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Depending on how the games go, maybe you can communicate with me through WhatsApp or something instead. Maybe uh, find, find something else. But, yeah, man, if I do win, it all rides on uh, the kicker of the Saints tonight, Will Lutz. Who would have thought that would happen? He would get a name on this podcast. But 
Don't want to jinx it. It would be my first ever finals in this league. Um, I want to talk about something a little bit Christmassy. And this is more of amusing. I don't even know what the answer is to this, if I agree or not with it. But every year, the NBA does Christmas Day games. And they're huge. They get good matchups. Like, they got the Celtics Raptors, the Bucks Sixers, Rockets Warriors, Clippers Lakers, and Pelicans Nuggets. And it's an all-day affair. The games are spread out. You can start watching at 9 a.m. Pacific and take you right up till 10 p.m. at night. You can watch 13 hours of the NBA. And it's funny. They're the only league that really capitalizes on this. And I wonder, would there be a market for that for the NHL? Would a winter classic game be better then instead of on New Year's Day when you're going up against a bunch of bowl games? Uh, I don't know. It's just something... It would be really nice on uh, on hockey day or it's Christmas day to be able to sit around and watch hockey. Uh, I guess you know we on the flip side of Boxing Day we get the World Juniors, but early starts this year from Czech Republic. So uh, yeah, just kind of some ramblings and thoughts. Uh, I'll probably find myself watching some NBA on Christmas Day because why the heck not? Yeah, I mean I think the NBA has kind of staked their claim to Christmas Day as their day to you know have games. But yeah, I, if the Canucks or sorry if the NHL had a sleigh of games. Or a slew of games to I watch. Like sleigh of games for Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if the NHL had a sleigh of games for uh, fans to watch, uh, I'm sure uh, we'd all be watching. Yep, ain't that true? Well, bring on the juniors. And just a couple more thoughts on the juniors. We're going to have a couple very special guests on the show next week to preview the World Juniors. It's one of my favorite times of year. I love that tournament. It's right up there with, with the best of them. And, uh, yeah, we have a couple of really knowledgeable guests who are going to get into some of the teams and some of the players and some of the Canucks picks. Uh, yeah, the World Juniors is always a, a must-watch, and it totally reminds me of Christmas. And I'd also like to say thanks again to our two guests this week, uh, Jenna Fabulous. Uh, give her a follow at Jenna Fabulous on Twitter. And Craig Shireen, you can give him a follow at Craig, S-C-H-A-R-I-E-N. That's Craig Shireen. Uh, yeah. Another episode in the books, Pete. Yeah, and you can also give us a follow on Twitter. Canucks Speak Easy Podcast is at Canucks Speak. And we also have the Spotify playlist going for Canucks Outro Beats. You can hear all the funky stuff that we play at the end here, including this funky jam. Uh, yeah, and uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Doug Venn. That's V-E-N-N. And I'm at Pete underscore gas. And until next week. Thanks for listening. Hasta mañana.